Yeah, I get ready to jump up here before dinner so you can have time to get up here and read. It kind of reminds me of my sermon that said Branson talked about being obligated, being eager. And anyone knows me because I'm already I'm always ready. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, and uh, I guess if you're gonna preach, you gotta be excited about it. I've always felt sorry when I have to listen to a guy who's preaching from God's word and maybe preaching about salvation or something, and he sounds like gloom and doom. I thought, man, y'all. Talk about heaven, you can't smile. But anyway, it's great that we can be together. Uh, if you're like me, you probably ate more than you should. So you're thinking, oh man, I ate too much. But uh, it's good that we can have, and even better than the food, the food was good, everyone who I ate food from, that was good. Uh, but the fellowship's even better. And uh, it's great that we can be here and worship again this afternoon. We had a good group. I think. If my, Kathy probably knows this better than I do, but I think that's the first, we've been at 29 a time or two, but that's the first time we broke the 30 mark today. So, ladies, thank you for coming up this us And we were missing several people, so. Uh, anyway, it's good to um, be able to come together and worship God. Sin. You know, every once in a while, someone asks me, what are you preaching on? Sin. I'm trying to figure it out if I'm for it or against it. But, Anyway, sin. What a terrible thing, sin. Sin entered into the world when Eve gave in a temptation and ate of that fruit, and then Adam also ate of that fruit, and sin crept in, and mankind's going to die from that time forward, but they died instantly. Spiritually, they were separated from God. Get out of the garden. Sin, it separates us from God. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 tells us that. Sin, so death is a separation. I think we lose that sometimes. Physical death is when the spirit leaves the body. It's not necessarily when something physically happens, but it's when the... And you know what? The best doctor in the world can't tell you the instance that happens. But um, that's what the Bible would teach, that separation. <coughs> so it says here in the passage that Dennis read for us in verse 15, What then? Shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace. You know, there's a lot of people like that today. Well, I'm going to be saved by grace, not by works. Well, you're not going to be saved by grace alone. And a faith that doesn't work is dead being by itself. James chapter 2, verses 14 through the end of the chapter. And grace has to get to you by faith. Without faith, you can't get grace. Grace came in the form of flesh called Jesus Christ. Uh, I think about that, but sin, a lot of people think, well, God will just accept whatever. And there's... I meet more all the time that seem to have this idea, well, once you're saved, you're always saved. Man, I can show you. The book of Hebrews really eats it up. You can't even read the book of Hebrews and think that. you got to be, well, my phrase, dumber in a box of rocks not to catch on to that. But you look at that, I have to have the forgiveness that comes. But sin, what a terrible thing. But you know what? Sin sure is fun or we wouldn't participate in it. Not everything that's fun is good. I think Charlene brought up that point. A lot of people said, well, Christians have no fun. Well, if it's sin, we better not be having any of that kind of fun. And we need the peace that passes understanding. It seems like uh, Phil was talking about that this morning on uh, his program on TV there. But we look at this, sin. He already dealt with it earlier. Look at verse 1 of Romans 6. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may... Well, if I just sin more, then I'll take more advantage of the grace of God. That's how some people act. No, 
doesn't work like that. I mentioned in, and we'll get to it probably again here in a little while. If I don't, I can mention it now. Um, matter of fact, instead of just be rattling off, turn over to 1 Corinthians. I want you to see it with your own eyes. 1 Corinthians 15. Now, verse 33, I've quoted that thing on the happy times of my life, and I learned that through my mom quoting it to me all the time I was growing up. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. The next verse says, become sober-minded as you are and stop sinning. Now, does God ever call on us to do anything we're not able to do? Let me tell you, I want everyone to listen to me. This is important. If you're a Christian, it's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's possible for you not to sin again until you leave this planet. It's possible. Because if it wasn't possible, then it wouldn't be your fault you sinned. It's po every sin I've ever committed is my fault. God's always supplied a way of escape, as Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. But we look at this, he says, stop sinning. We need to hear that every once in a while, don't we, from people. Just stop sinning. Whatever it is, stop it. Stop sinning. We need to be reminded of that. So I want you to think about that in Romans chapter 6. Uh, you know, we might not be under the old law, so... If I, when I was a kid growing up, I used to hear people say something. I think they meant well. I know what they. I think I know what they meant, but what they said wasn't accurate. I used to hear people say, you know, we're we're bound to nine of the ten commandments. I'm not bound to one of the ten commandments. First of all, the ten commandments were given to Jews. I'm a Gentile. I never lived under the law of Moses. I've never been bound to the. Does that mean I have the right to murder someone? No, but it's not wrong because it was in the Ten Commandments. It's wrong. And I can see in the New Testament where it tells me murderers will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So I'm not bound to nine of them. I'm not bound to all of them to keep the Sabbath holy. I'm not bound to any of them. Let me tell you what. I'm right here in Gray Summit, Missouri. You know how many laws I'm bound to in Canada right now? Not a one of them. I'm not in Canada. Okay? So that's what we have to understand. So these people are saying, well, if we're not living, these people converted out of Judaism and stuff, if we're not bound to those laws anymore, then, whoa, here we go. It's kind of like when kids leave the house for college, for the, whoa, boy, here they go. We're not under mom and dad's laws. Well, you're still not supposed to act like a fool. Show some sins. Sin. It's quite a thing. If you look at this passage, it talks about being a slave to sin. Now, we don't comprehend slavery very well in this country. Because it's, you know, every time somebody will say, well, you know, we want you to pay for this because of our ancestors were slaves. You know how many slaves I've owned? I've never, you know how many slaves my parents owned? You know how many slaves my grandparents owned? The same amount, none. So now, why am I going to pay somebody for something to happen so many? How, am I, how come I'm responsible for my, what my great... My great-great-grandma and grandpa probably were slaves. I don't know what they were. You know? I always tell people, they'll ask me about lineage. I said, well, my dad always told me we were American Heinz 57. So I don't know that. Good on steak, I guess. But anyway, uh, no, you look at this, and he, he's going to talk to us about being slaves. What do you think about being a slave? Now, I'm told, especially in commentaries I've read on 1 Peter, 
that during that time, so a little bit later than the book of Romans, but during it, close to the same time, that in that part of the world at that time, there was approximately 60 million slaves. Wow. That three-fourths of the church in the first century is probably made up of slaves, and only a fourth of the church made up of free men. So when they talk about slavery, it hits harder than it hits. Because you and I, we don't even have a clue. We only know what we've studied, what we've read. And I'm not sure how much of that's very accurate. I can tell you one thing, until you've been there experience, it's kind of like, you know, way before I went to the Grand Canyon, I'd seen movies on it and all that. It wasn't like stepping up to that thing the first time. <laughs> Living in Alaska, the first time I saw the Northern Lights really active, it was nothing like I'd seen on television. Wow! So, until you, so slavery, I try to understand it, but I know I really don't understand it very well. But he talks about being slaves of sin. Let me tell you what, just so you know, you're the slaves of something. And so we look at this, slaves of sin. Turn with me over to uh, John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We'll hit a few verses here. John 8 verse 34. Truly, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So you didn't know it, but we've all been in slavery. When we sin, guess who owned us? The devil. The devil owned us. Is he a good master or a bad master? Just so you know, the devil hates you. And hell was made for the devil, but he wants to take you there with him. And he, that's when that statement, misery loves company, well, he's as miserable creation, miserable things there's ever been. And so I want you to think about that. He says, if you sin, guilty, then you're a slave to sin. It owns you now. The master, the, the king of deception, enslaved. It's a bad thing. Look over at 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter 2. I'm going to begin reading at verse 17. These are springs without water and mists driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desire and sensuality those who barely escape from the ones who live in error promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by what a man has overcome, to this he is enslaved. He goes on and says, For if after they've escaped the defilement of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that means they've become Christians, and they are again entangled in them and are overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. So the people in the worst condition on the planet are wayward Christians. They're worse than the most terrible people you know on the planet. To be a Christian and to fall away and to stay in that situation, I don't know how it's worse, but it's worse. You know why? Because God said so. And then he goes on and says, it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than have known it and turn away from the Holy Ghost. And then it mentions that picture we've talked about so much that you really like how I preach before we eat of a dog returning to its vomit. That's disgusting. Well, when you and I, I've been there, 
after I was a Christian, being unfaithful to Him, I'm as putrid to God as a dog eating up his own vomit. That's hard to swallow, isn't it? I mean, you think about the idea of that's how we discuss God, how disgusting we are to God, if we don't remain faithful to Him. Once you've accepted the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus Christ, I think about this a lot. You know, most people are Christians only for what they get out of it. I mean, I was baptized to have my sins washed away. Do you know you were also baptized so that you might serve God and please Him? I think most people, they just want the forgiveness thing. I don't want the commitment thing. And you know, so I think, I think about people through the years that I had the privilege of staying the Bible with, and I didn't have to talk to them about how they needed to be there every time. I mean, they didn't want to miss for nothing. They were on fire. When they become Christians, they just want to know what they can do to please God, and anything that would please God, that's what they wanted to do. That's how we should be. Instead of give me, give me, give me, give me. Give me this stimulus check. Give me that stimulus check. Give me this benefit. I'm entitled to this. I'm entitled to that. Hmm. When we were down there in Branson, one of the things I enjoyed there was uh, being there, you know, last five years over Memorial Week. Uh, you know, that's a very patriotic town. There's flags everywhere. And they're always giving military people discounts. You know, even uh, one place asked me, uh, Are you, were you in the military? No, well, I'll give you a discount anyway. I said, don't give me a discount. I didn't do anything for it. But the people who did something for it, they give them, a, give them my discount, you can double up theirs. You know, you just think about that. A lot of times we want all the benefits, but we didn't do anything for them. You know, that's not a biblical concept. It says if a man doesn't work, what? Yes. You let him eat. You know what? You get hungry enough, you'll go to work. That's his point. Most people have never been hungry in their life. But we look, and we're enslaved to sin. Romans 3.23, of course, Caleb covered in his class this morning, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 5.21 says either sin reigns in our life or grace reigns in our life. Salvation reigns in our life. That's what, just how it is. In Ephesians 6 and verse 14, it talks about putting on that breastplate of righteousness, doing what's right. I, I tell you, I like this one. I, I want to look over at just a couple of them. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. I think about 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus a lot because... Since I've been preaching a series to him, I read 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus every day. So maybe that's why I pass it on 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus come to me all the time because I read them every day. But uh, in 2nd Timothy chapter 2, and down at verse 22, it says, Now flee, that's not the kind to make you itch, but flee from youthful lust and pursue. Now I want you to know something. Flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness. Did you get that? Did you see how Christians are supposed to run? There's things you're supposed to run from, and there's things you're supposed to run to. Did you hear me? You've got to run from the right things, but you've got to run to. It isn't enough just to run from. You've also got to run to. Whenever I think about run, there's a few examples, I think. You remember uh, the shepherd boy? Well, he was a shepherd boy, and then I like to say he became the pizza delivery boy because he was carrying lunch to his brothers in the battlefield. And 
And then he was a slingshot boy too. And then he walked down to fight a massive, <coughs> massive man. I mean, you think about, okay, this ceiling's nine feet, so he would have to duck to be in the ceiling if he's nine nine. So nine inches head go through this ceiling. This guy's a giant. I think Goliath was a giant. But I want you to know, so he goes out to fight Goliath, and Goliath, what about a dog? You send a boy out here, and David went out to fight him by faith, and David kind of, I'm going to paraphrase, David kind of points out, you're not really fighting me today. You're fighting God, and He's so much bigger than you, and it isn't funny. But today, God's going to live. And He runs! At that giant of a man, He runs at him. Can you imagine that? A little whippersnapper shepherd boy, pizza delivery boy, run to fight a giant. Because he runs with God. Another time I think about running was, you guys remember Philip? Now, Philip, he was an athlete. He run the chariot down. Okay, he he run with the gospel. He run. When's the last time you ran to study the Bible with somebody? Ran to do it. That's that idea of being eager. That's about being about stepping on your toes when you're supposed to read. I'm ready to go. But you know, you think about that running to do that. We've got to run from some things, but we've got to run to other things. And so we've got to flee and pursue. Look later in the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy. Uh, I like this one a lot. Verse 7. Here's Paul. His life's getting later on. He's writing to this young preacher. He said, I fought the good fight. Any of you ever been in a fight? I mean, where you, where you spit blood? Been there and done that. Didn't sound very bright. Been there and done that. You can hit me in the mouth. I've been hit in the mouth by people who are better than you. Yeah. I can spit blood. I can, Whatever. It don't feel good. I've been there and done that. I've been hitting the head with things. Okay. Maybe that's what's wrong with me. But anyway, you know, you have those things. If you get, I guarantee you, now it's one thing if you just beat someone up, but if you've been in a fight, if two people have been in a fight, both people are walking away with damage. That's how a fight works. Now, this is even talking about warfare, so this fight's more serious. But he said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. Let me ask you about finishing the course. Any of you ever had a New Year's resolution or something that you're going to start walking or exercising? You ever done that? You still doing it? So you're good at starting things and poor at finishing them, huh? You ever started a diet? At night, right before, right after you ate at a buffet line, you're still, oh, I'm going to start a diet tomorrow. And at last, till someone sets donuts on the table. Okay, so it's really. But he said, "I finished it. I did it. I, I did what I committed to." Well, Christianity is important to finish it, and it's the one who endures to the end. It's the one that's faithful till death. We need to remember that. So he said, "I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith." And he says, "In the future, there's life. Not today. One day when I pass away. One day when this life ends." I got something waiting for me that's better than anything here. In the future, there's living. So we've got to remember this idea of sin and righteousness. Do the right thing. I always like this statement. If you do the right thing, you can't go wrong. And I like to also, you know there's never a right way to do the wrong thing? Did you hear that? There's never a right way to do the wrong thing. If it's wrong, it's wrong. 
That's just how it is. And we have to understand we've got to be the one. But we've also got to understand it has to, we have to have these things sink deep down inside. We've got to do these things from the heart. So turn back over to Romans chapter 6 here real quick. Um, let me pick up, well, if we pick up in verse 17 of Romans 6, but thanks be to God who though you were slaves to sin, guilty, you became obedient from the heart. I still remember, I don't remember who it was told this story, but I still remember the story being told of a preacher who said he'd study with this lady and she became a Christian, she obeyed the gospel, and a few weeks went by and she come into his office. She didn't say preacher, but I'm going to say it this way. Preacher, i got a question for you. How do you find the strength to do what the Bible tells you? It's just overwhelming. He kind of talks around everything and really never gives her a straight answer. And about a month goes by and she's still at every service and everything. So the preacher asks her, how's it going? She says, fine. Well, you know about that question I've been thinking about. And here's what she said. I found in the Gospels the power to do what's in the letters. Jesus is the power source. You've got to focus on Jesus. Our problem is we focus on ourselves too much. You've got to focus on Jesus. You've got to remember who He is. We can't forget that. We've got to remember that we've got to be obedient from the heart. We've got to want to do it. A long time ago, ooh, man, I was young, my 20s, we were talking about what we, you know, some we just got to want to be right. And a lady raised her hand. You know, I don't always want to do what's right. Hmm. But here's what she said. I always want to want to do what's right. That really means something. That, if you think about it, man, I want to want to do what's right. Even when I don't want to do what's right, I want to want to do what's right. And it's the idea we've got to have our hearts got to be in it. We've got to mean what we're doing. This isn't just going through the actions. It's really meaning what we're doing. I think about that. You know, people that are committed to being in, with the church and worshiping with the church and encouraging each other and keeping contact with each other. Well, you won't do that just because I... I'm going to use a four-letter word, okay? Just because it's your duty. you got to want to do it. Now, I know it's your duty. I know it's a responsibility. You know, I think about partaking the Lord's Supper and I hear people, well, we're commanded to partake the Lord's Supper on the first day of every week. Well, we are commanded through apostolic example. There's never a specific command, but we're commanded through apostolic example. But why wouldn't you want to do that? I know we're commanded to do it, but don't you want to do it? We have to make sure it's our hearts that we don't just serve God from our lips. So turn with me over to Romans 16. Uh, listen to this, starting at verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret long. Thank you if you lived under it you didn't know what the plan was. We know what it is now. We have the complete New Testament. But now is manifested, made known, and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the eternal God has been made known to all nations leading to obedience of faith. Now let me ask you this. Just because I don't want to do it, does that excuse me from doing it? 
Y'all got to do it anyway, don't you? Jesus battled a little bit with that in the Garden of Gethsemane, didn't he? Don't you see that? And then he says, whatever you need, Father, your will be done, not mine. And so even when our want to isn't in the right place, we got to surrender. we got to submit. We usually don't like those words, but that's what we got to do. Look at another one, Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, um, verses 6 and 7. Not by way of eye service as men pleasers. You remember the fellow who prayed on the street corners to be seen a bit, and the other guy entered into his closet? Now, I don't care if someone sees me pray, but if you only do it when people are watching, I hope you enjoyed him seeing you because that's your, all your reward. Not as men-pleasers, but as slaves. i got to do this. i got to do what the Lord says. Now, anyone that knows me, I told a condensed story in my sermon in Branson about uh, hunting a grizzly bear at the bow, and Matt McBriar comes out afterwards. Man, I was hoping you told that whole story. I love that story, you know, but no, I didn't have time, so I told it. So anyone that knows me, one thing, if they know me at all, they know I really hate to hunt, but someone has to help fishing game control the species. <laughs> I tell them I'm not a hunter, I'm a killer. But anyway, uh, no, but you look at that, and so they know that about me. But I also think people know, well, you know what? I guarantee you, open dead deer season, if it would happen to fall on a Sunday, I don't know where I'm going to be, and it's not going to be in the tree stand. If it is, it's going to be early, because I'm going to be together with the brethren. I'm going to put the Lord's will first because it's way more important to me. Way more important. I told people once before, I don't care. You know, I don't know how much you know about deer hunting. A 200-inch antler deer is huge, but I, I'm not going to help for 200 inches of antler. It's just not going to happen. That's just downright ridiculous. And so we've got to make sure we do what the Lord has called us to do. So we look at this passage... And he says, not doing that, but we're going to, it goes on in verse 7, with good we will render service as to the Lord and not to men. So I want you to think about that. So many of you ladies got up, put some food together and everything, and brought it down here. Now I know we benefited from it because we ate it. But really you didn't do that for us. He did it for the Lord. And we pick up tables and put them away. You really don't do that for us. You do that for the Lord. And we worship and we're encouraged and encourage each other. As the Bible would tell us, we provoke one another to love and good works. But really, I don't come here for you. And I really don't come here for me. I come here for Him. Now, we all get a benefit from that. But we've got to remember what life's about. Life's about what God wants. And that has to be our motivation all the time. What's the Lord want me to do? What would please Him? I always think about that. Now, I don't know that this is literally going to happen. But I'll use old Dennis here. So it's final day of judgment. And they read off Dennis Dino. Don't you want God to say? Have a smile, mother. That's not a good reaction, man. That's bad news. You know, you wanted to bring a smile. Oh, yeah. Hey, come on up here. This is one of mine. Come on in here. 
Think how great that would be. I think about this a lot. If I can do anything that would bring a smile to the face of God, I've accomplished more than most of the world will ever think of accomplishing. And we've got to remember who He is. We've got to remember what's important. Let's look on to another one. Uh, go with me over to uh, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. Oh yeah, this is a good one. Starting in verse 5. Have this attitude, or mind, depending on your translation, in yourself, which is also in Christ. Do we need to think like Jesus? Yeah, we need to think like Jesus. Have this attitude in yourself, which is also in Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality. These men are never going to figure us out. You ever try to explain Jehovah God to anybody? What's He look like? How big is He? Is he all knowing? Yeah, what's that mean? I don't know. Is he omnipresent? Yeah, what's that mean? I don't know. Is he eternal? Yeah, what's that mean? I don't know. I mean, I can tell you some things about it, but that's far beyond my ability to think and reason. Anything that's everything is way past me. So you think about that, and we look at this, and he says, I tell you what, man can't grasp that. So you know what Jesus did? He left heaven and came here. First thing he does, I think about all of it. I understand the cross thing, but he come here as a baby. You are the creator, and you come here as a baby. Does someone have to feed you now? Does someone have to clothe you now? Man, I want you to think how belittling that is for the creator of all things. You know why he did that for you and me? Wow. I want you to think about that. Let's say. Now, I don't want this to happen to anybody. But let's say something happens to you. You're not able to take care of yourself anymore. Someone else has to feed you and change you and bathe you. You don't even want to think about it, do you? Man. Jesus did that for you and me without even looking at the cross yet. I, I think we don't realize what all He sacrificed so we could grasp who God is so that He could save our souls. So He said that's the attitude. Man, that's, whew, that's over the top. Although He existed before God, did not regard Him. But He emptied Himself to the form of a bondservant. There's that slave again. Being made in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of men, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross. Obedience to death. That's unbelievable. One more passage. Turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 1. Like one time a speaker said, I'll talk faster if you listen faster. 1 Peter 1. I know some of you already slowed down, so I can't speak faster. 1 Peter 1. Uh, I'll pick up verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. Any of you ever participated in sports? Get on up to sports? You see people trying to get hyped up and ready for the competition? Oh, you watch them? Let's go, man. Getting ready to go. They're getting ready to go. They're getting their mindset. We're going to get here. we go. Okay, they're getting their minds prepared for action. I think some people prepare their minds for inactive. They just prepare their minds to set and watch. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in the Spirit. Fix your hope completely 
on the grace to be brought to you. Let me tell you what, we do have grace through Christ, but do you know when the cultivation of grace comes? When Jesus returns. That's when the minute... What's my part now? My part now is obedience. My part's the faith and obedience. His part is, is grace and reward. I do my part, He'll do it. As obedient children, do not be conformed to your former lusts, which were yours in your ignorance. You ever committed a sin in ignorance? You didn't know it was wrong when you did it? Been there, done that. Have you ever committed a sin when you knew it was wrong but you didn't anyway? Better than that too. You know, it's kind of one thing when you're ignorant of something, but you don't get to claim ignorance but once. Finally, you've got to learn something. So he says here, listen to this. These next two verses, they're hammered down. It kind of was quiet during Caleb's a little bit about the point of being perfect because this verse is amazing. But like the Holy One, I think I know who He is, who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. Does He call us to be perfect? Yeah, be holy like He's holy. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Just today, ladies that are with us from out the Sullivan way, we're back there, looked at Caleb and says, um, yeah, you can tell he's yours. And I was silly and I said, well, he's adopted. <laughs> and I said, not really. <laughs> they were kind of like, you're right. But anyway, you know, you look at that and you see that. Why would you think about that? You know how? We're to be as much like God Almighty as we can possibly be because we're the only representation man has. We have to make sure that we're a bright light in a dark world. So I want you to think about this. Don't let sin rule in your life. Do what's right. That's what righteousness is. Do what's right. Be a bright light. Be a slave to righteousness. i got to do what's right no matter what. I went to school with some of those people. I used to be irritated with them. They always were little Miss Goody Two-Shoe. Or, man, I'm telling you what. You hate to be around them because it made your flaws stand out, didn't you? I want to think about it. Though. If they could just dunk you in water and you'd be like them, you'd like them, wouldn't you? I want you to think about it. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's given us purification through obedience to have our sins washed away. At that point, Jesus Himself, Acts 2 verse 47, adds us to His redeemed body, the church, and our names are written in the book of life. If you're here today and your name has not been written in the book of life, obey the gospel today. If your name's been there but you're not sure it's still there, don't leave this room to correct that. If we can help you, please come to the stand.